All right, guys, welcome back in for another episode of Painting Prospects from Floor to Ceiling. And today, me and Ash are going to be covering the Western Hockey League in Canada. Um, and as always, I'm joined here by Ash. How's it going, Ash? Good, buddy. How are you? Pretty good. It's uh, good to finally get some news on the draft lottery and stuff. I know it's not all what we wanted, but I think it's good to finally get some draft news. Maybe he's got some certainty about where we're heading here. So, Yeah, like the, the format itself, um, the way that the phases are set up for the draft is whack. It's way more complicated than it needed to be. Um, there's a simple solution, of course, with the, any of the top four picks falling in the, the bottom seven teams. There's no need for phase two, but it just seems like almost like just a, a bit of a media drive to get interest back in the draft because it's not going to be um, at its usual date. It's going to be delayed. So it's, I don't know. It's interesting, but it's going to add some spice to it. But I'm not a fan of the, the, the format of the draft whatsoever. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of, of what they're doing, but I think it was just exciting just for a day to get some some actual draft news instead of just sitting around. So. Uh, guessing I think, yeah i think i think it's fun to just start getting into some actual draft talk again and i guess i'll just lead us right in we can start running through our prospects for our top players for the whl and we're going to start up at the top where i think we both have fairly similar evaluations of this player and that would be seth jarvis a right wing slash center for the portland Winterhawks. a uh, bit of a smaller kid not too small but he's around 510 172 is a right shot um and I talked about this kid fairly recently on uh, an episode of High and Wide with uh, Jim and uh, Alex Appleyard. And uh, I mentioned that I think in this kid, I think there's some real potential for a really high-end, top-end player here. Because if you look at the tools that he has in offensive game, he has just about every tool you could want of an offensive producer where uh, he has that agility and he's a really quick skater and can make quick cuts on the ice and a really slick pair of hands as well. And I think some of the one of the one of the more exciting things about him as well with that offensive toolkit is the shot that he has. Because I think sometimes you see with some of these smaller players that can't quite get as much weight behind their shot, but this kid can really rifle the puck. And he put that on display this year where he ended up third in the WHL this year in goals with 42 and second in the entire league with points at 98. And I think in addition to that offensive toolkit, you're also getting a kid with a pretty good all-around two-way base as well. I remember when I first saw this kid at the Linka. Over the over last summer, um, I remember the thing that stood out to me was I thought he had a just a really good all around two way toolkit. Where walking from that tournament, I thought maybe second, maybe third round kind of talent, and then the first twenty games or so I was kind of hanging on to that sort of evaluation. And then you saw him really take off maybe mid year, where he showed that extra offensive flair and really put him up higher on the draft boards. Where you and I both have him around the twelve thirteen area of this draft. And yeah, and, and the thing I like about Jarvis too is when you watch, you know, game to game, his ability to create his own offense well, the ability, you know, as you said, he's not a big guy, but the ability to win his own pucks um, and create his own space and, and, and find good shooting areas, it's it's really encouraging to see. Like a lot of the guys who are prolific scorers, you know, sort of can rely on others to do their dirty work back in the sort of, you know, peripheral plays. But Jarvis is a guy that ticks most of the boxes. I mean, He's he's smart. Um, he's quite got a, a good strong base. He's not easy to knock uh, knock off the puck. And yeah, I think you know, even though people say you know he's had sort of a meteoric rise, you know, in his draft year, and he's come out of nowhere. But it, it's off a really solid base of hard work. I mean, he hasn't got you know, a flashy, you know, 
skill set. There's nothing that really stands out massively about his game. He's just really good in a lot of facets. And he, people that have got him lower, um, but purely sort of based on, you know, this sort of mid to, to late season rise, I, I just can't see it. I think he's he's been a really good player for basically all season. And as you said, he's going to be, I think he's got really, really good top end talent. I think he's going to be a steal for someone at some point in the draft. Yeah. Like we said, with that kind of blue collar attitude that he has on top of that skill, um, I think he's also the kind of player where maybe you see him come to the NHL kind of the way that Braden pointed him when he came in for Tampa Bay, where he didn't come in right away and play first, second line. He came in to anchor Tampa Bay's third line and really made his living there before he moved up the lineup. So I think there's versatility there where you can bring him in and have him grow in a depth role because he has that more workmanlike mentality where he's not just a pure skill guy. He can play a little lower on a lineup and develop along there before you really give him those prime offensive minutes. So I think it's also a very exciting part of his game where he has that versatility where he can play up and down a lineup and uh, fill a lot of holes for an NHL team wherever you know they decide to pick him. And then I think that'll move us along right along to, I think by a lot of people's standards, I'd say the consensus number two player in the WHL, and that would be Connor Zeri, a center from the Canvas Blazers. Someone I know we both like quite a bit in the first half of this first round. I think you're a little higher on him than I am. And uh, what's your take on him, Ash? Well, no, even though Zari is one of the, the older guys in the class, in my opinion, um, he's probably beside. I mean, you can, Ross is a good two-way centre, but if we're talking true impact, not just on the puck but off the puck, over 200 feet, I think he's the, the, the second best two-way centre available um, behind Lindell. He's one of these guys that doesn't have sort of like a Jarvis, that high-end um, upside or, or skill set, I think that he's much more a polished player. Sort of what you see is what you're going to get. But his work ethic um, and constant handling of the puck, he, he's a force over 200 feet. I mean, this guy, not all that huge, but he, he does all the physical stuff. He back checks, he four checks, goes to the net. Um, he's a bit under strength, but it doesn't stop him. I mean, this is to me like a prototypical 2C what any team would crave. I mean, he's a really good power play producer. Um, there, you know, people say skating isn't great, but it, it doesn't stop him producing. And when you look at someone like Zari and you say, well, his skating isn't that great, but it hasn't stopped him. He gets to a lot of good areas. I love the way he's used as sort of like a rebound guy um, on zone exits. A lot of people have, have spoken down to the fact that he doesn't have a great transition rate, but when you look at Kamloops in general, that's a really strong defensive team. Um, they stand up at the blue line. And in spurts, you can see how good he is in transition. But overall, Zari is just a, a, a gadget. He can play up and down your lineup if you need be. He's, um, I know a few people say he's more of a winger moving forward, but he, to me, he's a prototypical centre. I mean, he's the type of guy that could be someone like a – reminds me of like a Brian Little type that will just be the prototypical 2C, sit behind a 1C, do the dirty work, but also produce points. Another guy that sort of reminds me of that is uh, like a Vincent Trocek. I think he's got a very translatable skill set. Um, and for me, I think he's one of the candidates um, being a centre um, that could easily slide inside the top 10 if someone – Really, because there's no real risk for Magnus Zari. I mean, this, as I said before, the skating is something people have said before, but 
I see no problem with it whatsoever. It, it hasn't stopped him producing. He's smart. He knows how to get around the ice. He can read the play. To me, he's one of my favourites in the draft purely because I, I just think he's really sound. And um, if you're talking risk versus, risk versus reward, I, I think there's a lot of reward in Conazari's game. Yeah, I think he's a good demonstration of that. You don't always need that dynamic quality to be an offensive producer. Yeah. I know that's kind of the knock that even I've levied against him a little bit where he doesn't have that dynamic gear in terms of his puck skills or his skating ability, but where he really shines is just how well he thinks the game. Uh, he doesn't need to burn by, by He doesn't need to dangle a defenseman out of their pants. He just reads the play well and knows how to filter pucks to the dirty areas of the ice to create scoring opportunities. And I think because of that, like like you said, it's a very translatable skill set where, you know, I don't think there's going to be a lot of times where the ice is going to dry up for him, where the skill game is not working because he understands how goals are scored. He knows how to send pucks to the middle of the ice to generate scoring opportunities. And uh, I think, like you said, it's going to make him a really strong two-way 2C someday. And the thing with Zari too is that in yeah, there is flashes where you see really high in puck skills one-on-one. Like he's able to get around guys. It's not like we're talking a guy that, you know, gets into the deeper into the offensive zone. He sort of has to stop because he hasn't got, you know, that, that next year um, in terms of skill to get around someone and finish. He, he, he does have that, that skill set in my opinion, but it's just more so that he is more, uh, you know, more of a, a grinding sort of, as we said about uh, Jarvis, more a blue collar. Uh, type centre where it's not so much about the flash, it's about uh, the most economical and most advantageous plays and I think that is not a knock I think it, it, it's, it shows good senses because he is just really well polished and um, one of, one of, I think he's one of the smarter forwards in, in the whole crop to be honest Absolutely and I think those smarts speak to how well he's been able to produce anywhere he's gone because yeah. he's been a top producer in the WHL this season, i believe he was over point per game or close to it last year in the W. And last year when he played up an age group for the U18s of Canada, he was a top producer for that team as well. So I think it speaks as well to how he's able to slide into a lineup and create offensive opportunities no matter where he goes. And I think, uh, I don't think there's the teams are going to need to wait a long time for it to get to the NHL because if you look at the smarts that he has and that workman-like mentality, I don't think there's a whole lot uh, of work that needs to be done there to turn this kid into an NHL player. Uh, and moving along to, uh, I would say, more of the more divisive prospects in this draft. And I think someone that I think, well, two kids that I think people are expecting to go in the first round of this draft uh, are pair of defensemen, which are Braden Schneider, a right shot defenseman from the brand Wheat Kings, and Caden Gooley, a left shot defenseman from the Prince Albert Raiders. They're ranked right next to each other on a lot of boards. Even Central Scouting, I think, has them at, I think, four or five in North America. Uh, so... I think it's fair of us putting him in the same breath as each other, you know, in this segment of the show. Um, and I think because of it, there's also a lot that they do that's very similar. They have a lot of the same traits uh, where I would say they're both very high f- floor players. Uh, they have that base of uh, good size. Uh, Schneider's 6'2", Goalie's 6'3". They both have good mobility. They both willing to play physical, control their gaps well. Uh, the offense maybe a little more limited, but maybe you can eventually mold them into a power play two type player. But uh, I think that's more the reservation with some is that uh, maybe the high end ceiling isn't quite there despite having that high floor. Um, but I know some people really like these kids because of 
uh, how projectable they are into an NHL defenseman where maybe like we just said was there, there's not a whole lot of work that needs to be done there to turn them into an NHL plug and play type player. Yeah. And especially when you're talking defensemen and especially in a draft like this, where, you know, besides possibly, you know, two or three defensemen, it, it does sort of thin out. So these guys are, are going to get reached on at some point purely because risk versus reward in, in a draft where def- the defense, um, side of the pool isn't strong these guys give you you know outside of a couple of other guys possibly the best chance at actually hitting on a defenseman someone that you can actually sort of you know go all in on and, and actually project them to be an nhl defenseman at some point soon but as you said there's limited offensive ceiling um i personally i think Braden schneider is a bit better at defending his own line than uh than Goolie, but uh, Goolie for me, a um, bit, bit more offensive. Um, I think he can control the point a bit better, especially on, on a power play than Schneider. I think Schneider's a bit uh, sloppy when it comes to passing. I don't think he's got quite the vision as Goolie, but as you said, they're, they're pretty much, I think, projected uh, to be a very similar player at their NHL level. I don't think there's much between them. Somewhat safer picks, I'm not against, but I think that there's there's definitely room for them to grow, but I just don't know uh, what that ceiling is, Slam. I think they're pretty much, you know, second pairing. Uh, as you said, power play two guys, I think kill penalties, um, probably two or a few minutes up. But when it comes to, to high-end skills, vision in general, I, I just don't see it. But they're, they're good players. But, yeah, just not not the ceiling there for me. Yeah, like you said, this draft is a little thin on defense, and I think that's why – uh, we're going to see these. I, I would be shocked if both these kids aren't drafted in the first round when the draft does take place. Um, right. And like we said, it's just the ceiling isn't quite that high. And that's I think that's why we're both hesitant to put them firmly in our first round. I think for the both of us, they're more in that late first, early second kind of tier. Um, and uh, I think some people it's hard for them to knock them down their draft boards because they're not the kind of defenseman. Like when you watch a Jeremy Poirier where they have that, that skill and that flash, but they have their warts and they're very raw and there's a lot to work on there. Uh, with Schneider and Gooley, when you watch them, they don't make mistakes. They're both very solid players. Uh, I think I honestly can't recall off the top of my head, any mistakes Gooley has made when I've watched him play. And I think I could say the same for Schneider. They're both very intelligent defenders control their gaps. Well, good sticks. Uh, they have the size and uh, they're very projectable and they have high floors, but uh, it's like we said, there's just not a whole lot of up- upside there, but they're definitely going to be first round picks when the draft takes place. I don't think there's much doubt about that at all. Nope. So moving on to our next player of the WHL, we have Tristan Robbins, who's a center slash right wing from the Saskatoon Blades. And I think what we saw this year from Robbins is with Kirby Doc graduating to the NHL and being able to play for the Chicago Blackhawks, I think you saw Robbins really take on more of that offensive responsibility for Saskatoon, and he really flourished in that role. Um, previously, he had kind of that base of being a strong, smart, two-way player, but this year we've got to see a whole nother gear in terms of his offensive output, where he was able to use some really good speed and an incredible shot as well. He can beat goalies from from, uh, from distance and uh, put a lot of pressure on opposing defenses with his speed and his, and his feet. Like I just mentioned, he has those smarts and he understands how to create offense and put defenses in uncomfortable positions. And 
create offensive opportunities because of that. And this year we saw an enormous uptick in points where he finished with 73 and 62 for the Blaze, including 33 goals. Somewhere that I think I think he's someone that's been a little underrated by central scouting and some uh, more mainstream outlets where maybe they see this kid as more of a third. Maybe in some cases, some people see him as a fourth round talent. I think this is someone that if you draft him in the second round, you're making a really good bet with this kid. Uh, there's just a lot of tools there, really smart player. And because of that offensive skill set and those smarts, I don't think there's a whole lot of work that needs to be done there for him to become a top nine producer in the NHL. And yeah, one of the things with Tristan Robbins is he's always been a smart player. He's always had really good vision. It's just more so that his hands and, and his feet never really caught up to it. And especially, you know, being sort of stuck um, playing on the wing and, and third line duties mostly last season. I'm just using, you know, guys like Kirby Dark and um, just having more of a, a an opportunity this season. It's, it's really, you know, seen his work in the offseason blossom into something really good. I mean, he's really aggressive. I like the way Robbins attacks. Um, I like the way he's able now to sort of skate into those holes where before he didn't sort of have the just the get up at his feet to get into those holes. So he's got really good stick handling. I like the way he can actually uh, deke around defenders. I think that he's much like sort of like a Jarvis, you know. After Christmas, Robbins just went full tilt. I mean, and he had some really good games against tough opposition. Like he had a hat-trick against Medicine Hat. From memory, he had back-to-back two-goal games against Prince Albert. I mean, we're not talking, you know, he's not beating up on bad teams. Um, he's got a really short, whippy release, but it, it's got the really deceptive way to it. I think he's really good at changing the pace of the game in the offensive zone. He's got multiple gears. Like, he, he's a really firm attacker, and I like the way he's sort of at your throat, but he can also slow the game down. He's really um, poised in his own zone. He's, he makes really good passes. And, again, for a guy that's smaller, he isn't afraid of in his own pucks. And I love the fact that when you watch him defensively, um, especially on the back check, he's one of the first forwards in digging pucks, trying to actually create offense out of the defensive zone, looking to transition. Um, I haven't ranked 53rd. He was, at Christmas time for me, he was ranked around 80, 90, based off I felt that he had more in him and he had a nice progression from last season, especially having more uh, ice time. But, yeah, he, for me, you can't really go wrong with him. I, I don't really see any holes. I think that the red flags that were there last year are, are, are nearly gone. Um, I think he can do some more work defensively, possibly just a bit of positioning. But besides that, I mean, w- what kid at 17 or 18 doesn't have some sort of deficiency? And when I look at Robbins, um, he reminds me of sort of the way that Braden Point was sort of coloured um, in his draft year, you know, sort of the size um, talking about the, the top end speed might not be there, but offensively, I, I think Robbins is fantastic. And I think that he's going to be a really good sort of uh, middle six center moving forward. Yeah. And I think he's a very toolsy player as well, which goes back to those smarts where uh, I find he has, he has some good mobility. I think he has uh, really worked on his skill game this year and he has some more skill elements, but it's those smarts that we always go back to where if the skill game is not always working, if the speed is not always working, uh, he can slow the game down, play at his own pace if he wants and use his teammates very effectively to create offense. So uh, I think that part of his game is very projectable. Uh, it's a very NHL way of looking at playing the game, uh, very 
team-based thought process when he plays the game that way. And yeah. uh, I think he's very projectable in that sense. So that'll move us along to our next player from the WHL, who's another forward uh, who plays for the Edmonton Oil Kings, which is Jake Neighbors. By most consensus, a lot of boards uh, kind of in that late first, early to mid second round uh, type range. Um, what's your take on him, Ash? Well, Neighbors is basically ranking that um, that that uh, Chief Mayor and 34th overall. To me, he's one of the most balanced and complete forwards in the class. I mean, he's not um, a guy that has uh, a stronger trait than, than, than most, but for me, he's like Neighbours is sort of that new sort of hybrid type forward. Um, they can play a lot of roles. He can play the scorer. He can be the puck hound. There's just so much to like about Neighbours' game. Um, I love that his uh, ability to win his own battles. And especially in transition, I think he's really efficient transition skater. I think that he's really smart when the game's in front of him and uh, reading the play ahead. I love his stride and he's got really good evasiveness. I think that he's um, in open ice and he, he, he makes a lot of room for himself just from his edge work and the ability to, to, to read defences. I love the way he engages. I think that whether it's defensively in front of the net or um, trading screens or, or getting to the dirty area in the offensive zone that He's just got a really good knack for, for hounding the puck. Um, always wants to be around it, much sort of like a guy we're going to mention soon, Aussie Wiesblatt. Sort of similar in the way they play. Um, strong in skates. I love the way that he's good passing ability. It's underrated. I think that he doesn't really get enough credit for um, how many good passes he makes and the poise in which he does make those passes. Because a lot of guys that are prolific transition skaters can sort of you know, much like a, a foodie can enter the zone, um, you know, under a lot of pace, but they sort of run out of, run out of tarmac, run out of runway. But Neighbours is good enough to survey what's around him and make, make really good plays. I love the angles that he actually creates when he makes those zone entries. He uh, creates a lot of passing scenes um, and makes a lot of open ice for his uh, fellow attackers. And um, I think that um, when you're talking sort of translatable skills, coming into the you know top of the first, early second, I think Neighbours ticks those boxes of a type of forward that um, you can plug and play up and down your lineup and he's going to contribute no matter sort of where he is. Yeah, there's, it's, uh, it seems like a pretty common thing with what we're talking about with a lot of these Western Canadian kids. Is yeah. They all seem to have that very blue-collar workman-like attitude and Neighbours is no exception to that. Uh, like you said, he's a quick kid i like the skating ability a lot he gets, yeah. he gets up and up and down the ice really well um and he's definitely not afraid to get on the four check really good at getting in deep and causing turnovers and uh he's a really stocky kid as well i like that a lot about him he's stands at only around 511 but he's already over 200 pounds as an 18 year old and uh in terms of the offensive skill set i like him a lot as a goal scorer i'm honestly surprised he only nabbed 23 this year in the w because i think he has uh, a really good shot, uh, really nasty backhander. Actually, scored a really good goal off the rush this year, uh, where he's able to come down the wing and just send a nasty backhander over the shoulder of the netminder from a sharp angle. I think part of the reason why, though, you see a lot of those assist totals up there for him is maybe he's not the most creative or dynamic passer, but he does a really good job of filtering the puck to high danger areas. Yeah, and I think that goes into how well he's able to play down low in the zone and how well he's able to play in dirty areas where um, he understands where goals are scored 
at the pro level game. He understands where most goals come from in the game of hockey. And he's not afraid to go to dirty areas, not afraid to put pucks to the, to the dirty areas. And I think that's where you see a lot of those gaudy assist totals come from for neighbors. Uh, very projectable player, I think. Very hard worker. Very quick player. And uh, yeah, I think he's justified in being in that late first, kind of early second round uh, that a lot of people seem to have him in. And I think that also moves us along to player that's also in that range who, like you said, isn't too dissimilar, which would be Ozzy Wiesblatt, who's a right wing for the Prince Albert Raiders, uh, also capable of playing center. Uh, I think the player that always comes to mind for me when I watch Wiesblatt play is uh, he reminds me so much of Max Domi from the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, he's a very quick playmaker and uh, something that stood out to me when I've watched him is this kid's really not afraid to play the role of pest when he's on the ice. He's very engaged, uh, likes to get in deep in the zone and agitate, always involved after the whistles. And uh, I just love when players are able to get under your skin and then go out there and beat you with skill and skating the way he's able to. He's a very quick player, um, excellent on the power play, serves, surveys the zone really well, really good vision. And uh, he's able to create a lot with just how well he's able to corral and carry the puck in the offensive zone and just wait for offensive opportunities to present themselves, wait for holes in the defense to open up. Uh, and I think often you see this kid just do a great job of playing that patient playmaking game where he can hold the puck for extended periods of time and just let the game come to him. But if he needs to turn on the afterburners, he's more than capable of doing it. Cause like I said, he's got that skating ability and he's, uh, he's got that dynamic quality that maybe uh, is missing for some of forwards that we're, we're going to have ranked below him on this list and uh, on our final list as well. Yeah, and the thing with Wiesblatt as well is he actually, when it comes to just playing centre, he takes most of the team's most important face-offs. I mean, he's a guy, much like Domi, as you mentioned, who I haven't really heard as a, a, a sort of like a stylistic comparison for Wiesblatt, but I, I, I see it a lot. Um, you know, the ability to get under people's skin and, and play at a high pace, it's a good job. Um <laughs> but, but but honestly, but could question could you see Weisblatt moving forward actually even possibly playing centre because his skating isn't all that bad. He's got good senses over two hundred feet. I think that as you said, his dynamic playmaking isn't high end. But is he a guy that possibly in the future, if you look at drafting him, say, well, if we need someone to play centre, he can actually fill that role as well. Do you think that he has a ceiling? to be a center in some form. I think so, because I mean, like you said, uh, he already takes some pretty key faceoffs for Prince Albert anyways. Yeah. So he does kind of play that kind of dual function for Prince Albert where he plays the right wing, but he also takes face off, plays some center. Uh, and I think part of that goes also to um, how projectable he can be as a center is I think he supports pucks very well. He's able, I, I think often you see him come back in his own zone and help his, defenseman transition out of their own zone, which I think is the quality you like to see in a center. Yeah. Uh, and also just how good of a, I guess, a play facilitator I think he is as well. Because like I said, he's, especially on the power play, he's got great vision, uh, knows how to open up passing lanes. And uh, I think that's a great trait you like to see in a center. So I could absolutely see this kid projecting more as a center in the National Hockey League rather than a winger. And another guy that is next on our list is sort of another guy in the same vein. Um, and that's really great. I mean, he's uh, on the edge, much like a Wiesblatt. He plays um, 
a high tempo game, plays uh, wing or centre, really good stick handler, high end skater, and, and compete. When we're talking WHL and when we're talking these forwards, it, it's a real common theme. Um, an edge of toughness, but with good skill mixed in. Um, with Ridley Gregg, you get um, a pass-first guy and, again, much like a wee splat or a neighbour's, really processes the game. Um, I really like his shot. He's got a, a really accurate shot, and I think that he can actually surprise some with his shot sometimes because um, he does sort of have the, the pass-first sort of team-first mentality. When he does shoot, it's quite accurate, and he's got some deceptive weight behind his shot too. I love the fact that with him you get sort of like a, a buzzsaw type play, but it's just the constant tempo in your face um, type style. Um, and I really like guys like We Splash, Neighbours, and now uh, with Ridley Gregg is guys that are just really prolific in the neutral zone, guys that will have active sticks, they hound you, they don't give you any free space whatsoever. And also, too, in the neutral zone, he he loves jumping passes. He loves he, he isn't afraid to actually get out of position or to back himself to win the park. And to me, that's having that confidence at that age is is really good because more often than not, it actually pays off. It's not like he's doing it and you know bunging it up and he's out of position. He's actually loves to get in the passing lanes to jump passes and actually create offense. And when you're talking um, that type of tier, I don't think he's actually far off like a wee splat or a neighbours more so. Um, just doesn't have the hinds probably scoring the other two do. But when you're talking a multi-tool player um, that can play centre or wing, I think I think he's a, a really sound player. Yeah, I think that's a very fair assessment of him and uh, I mean like we keep saying it's I don't know what's with these uh, <laughs> the these Western kids, Canadian man. kids but they're they're all very workmanlike kids uh, especially Greg I think he's very pesky uh, yeah. I think you see that reflected in his stat line you know from an offensive point production standpoint 60 points in 56 games but 83 penalty minutes to go along with it yeah uh, this kid's not afraid to be a hard-nosed player um he goes to dirty areas. He's not afraid to finish his checks. He's not afraid to play with that hard edge. Um, and uh, I'm going to go back to the Canadiens. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Brendan Gallagher, where he's, even though he's a bit smaller, he's got that, I think, a pretty good two-way game. He's quick. He's got some good hands in tight. And he, like I said, even though he's a little on the smaller end, fairly light, he's really pesky and likes to play with that physical hard edge and play really above his size, which I think a lot of teams are going to like in this kid if they're looking to take him maybe in the middle or the end of the second round. And then I guess staking in that tier where if we're at the end of the second round, maybe early third, that moves us along to uh, Connor McLennan, who's next on our list, who's a right winger for the Winnipeg Ice. More of an undersized kid, stands around 5'9", 157. And I think what I like most about McLennan is his uh, his toolkit as a goal scorer. He's a quick kid, which I think comes to be expected with some kids that stand at the size that he's at, where he's 5'9". I think you like to see kids like that have more of a quicker step in their skating. And uh, this kid's got an excellent shot. This kid can really rifle it when he gets the puck in space. And he also does a good job, I think, of creating space with his puck skills and uh, being able to make some quick cuts when he has the puck on his stick. And, you know... If you're going to be that small, you need to have some defining trait that's going to be able to get you that space when you're playing against bigger competition. I think McLennan has that. 
Um, and he brings it with some skill, some skating, and um, that shot doesn't need a whole lot of space, but when he gets it, he can bury quite often. Yeah, and one of the, the, the things that excites me most about McLennan is his ability to shoot in stride. Like a lot of guys, you know, especially smaller guys, can sort of struggle with having weight on their shot. But with him, it, it just, as you said, it, it rifles off his stick. And looking at, you know, his stats, um, obviously didn't get a full season in. No, but he had less of a season. But his importance to that team offensively, he, he's a real cog for that team. And yes, he's undersized, but much is to be said about his shot. I mean, when you're talking accuracy, um, and, and especially when you're talking techniques, uh, much like Nybeck, when you watch McLennan shoot, the way he positions his hands and gets the whip through that stick, he is going to be a dang. If he can put on a bit of size, work on his two-way game, that shot is going to, I believe, is going to take him a fair way because natural goal scorers like him don't come across that often. And I mean, he had, what, 15 even-strength goals in just, what, 42 games? It's it's pretty decent. And, you know, especially playing in the dub where things, as you know, can get a bit tougher. There's bigger guys. There's more of a baseline of, um, you know, as toughness as such. I think that if it weren't for his size and possibly if he got more of a, a seasoning, we were talking about, you know, a, a probably a definite sure fire sort of second rounder. I mean, I, there's not many holes in his game. I like his skating, his shot. Um, he's quite creative with the park, especially with the amount um, of, of danger his shot possesses. He does get a lot of opportunities to pass off the shot. He does draw a lot of attention. So there is a really good playmaker there in McLennan. Yeah, and I think honestly the main obstacle for him is going to be how he overcomes the size as he moves towards pro hockey. Yeah. Cuz uh he is very light, small at 59. Um but I think where maybe he lacks behind some of the other players that we've already discussed is uh I'm not quite sure maybe that base of being like a, a two-way blue-collar type player is quite there with McLennan as well. Yeah. Uh I think we saw at the the Linka last summer where uh they plugged him into uh, a top role on their power play, but just the offense production wasn't quite working for him at that tournament. And because of that, he was largely neutralized at that tournament, wasn't able to make much of an impact because he didn't bring much else other than that offensive game. So I think that's also going to be uh, where that next step needs to come from McLennan to become an NHL player is um, which, what's that other element he's bringing to the game if he's not scoring goals? Um, if he's going to be able to to work harder to play better on, in his own end of the ice when he doesn't have the puck, is he going to be able to uh, play better off his teammates to open up more ice where he doesn't have to do everything by himself to make to create offense. Uh, so I think that's where the the next step comes for him where beyond just overcoming his size is uh, just adding an extra element to his game where he doesn't always need to be scoring to be effective on the ice. Yeah, that's it. And when we're talking um, two-way guys, that brings us to our next guy, which is actually Justin Sorter. Um, I have him ranked 42nd. Um, I'm, no, I'm higher on him than what you are. But for me, when I look at sort of, it's there's no flash. Um, there's nothing that really makes you think, wow. But for that Vancouver team, he is what I'll pretty much basically say is he's the everywhere man. I mean, he had 22 even strength goals this season and I don't think really anyone noticed. I mean, he's pretty unassuming. He doesn't 
do anything else that makes you go wow. But his ability to attack defense, um, he's a really good transition scatter. And when he, when he actually wants to attack, he's got a really good way of, you know, going forehand, backhand, or, or to deke his way actually into a shooting lane to shoot. He will make his own space. He's not afraid to actually take a defense on. And, and for a guy that's more so known for his compete and IQ over 200 feet, I think that, he you know, 22 even strength goals is nothing to sneeze at. I think there's um, a really good base for an offensive upside there with him. I mean, it's not a great team that he, that he played on this year. I mean, they had a really good resurgence, um, probably a lot to do with Bowen Byram sort of kicking back into a Byram-type gear. But I really like sort of. I think that he's um, always in good areas um, across all three zones. He's got high compete. I think that the ability to play centre and wing um, plays in his favour. And just with that two-way ability, I think he's going to be a really good foil for an offensive-minded centre, someone that um, he can he can score off of you know that type of hard work, but he can also uh, put in the dirty work on a line and be that sort of two-way forward um, on a on an offensive line. And I think that he's got. Just uh, I know I, I just I'll, there's a lot to like this sort of. I think that he does lack a little bit of uh, dynamic playmaking, a bit of high end speed, but when it comes to smarts, effort, um, and I think that he's got uh, a, a good goal scorer's touch, which I don't think gets enough credit. Yeah, I think you nailed it pretty well. Where uh, I think a lot of my reservation is is like you said, there's not a ton there in terms of a dynamic quality to his offensive game and. Uh, I think that's why I feel more comfortable with him as maybe a third round pick more than a second round pick. Cause I think, like you said, he maybe plays more of a complimentary line on a role where you put, you play him with your offensive center and he's more of that two way responsible winger that can play on that line and play as a good foil to that player. Like you said, he did basically everything for Vancouver this year, scored quite a bit at even strength. I know he played a lot in their penalty kill, yeah. uh, I know off the top of my head, he scored one very nice uh, shorthanded goal as well, where he got the puck in his own zone and just rocketed up the ice with that skating ability and uh, was able to be a goalie in stride with his shot, which, uh, like you said, he's got a pretty underrated shot. And I think that speed with uh, the shot that he has is probably his best offensive trait. But I think the projectability for him comes from just that base of how hard of a worker he is along with that two-way ability. I'm not convinced he's going to be a guy where you're going to plug and play him into an initial lineup and he has that potential to be like a 50, 60 point player, but maybe more of a 40 point player that you can play in all situations, I think is what uh, maybe the top end of what you'd be hoping for with him. And uh, I think if you're drafting him in the third round, I think that's perfectly fine. Uh, I'm going to go again with my player comparables, which I know some people hate, but uh, he reminds me a lot of Blake Coleman, who was a third rounder for the Devils years and years ago, where he plays really yeah, he, he plays really, really good uh, two-way game, really hardworking player, very fast, good shot. And I think he sort of has a lot of that same makeup where um, you might need to wait a little bit. Maybe you take give him a little bit of time in your minor system to really develop along uh, and get used to that pro pace. But uh, you can come into your lineup and maybe play in the bottom half of your lineup or you can pair him with some of your high-end skill guys and also have him play in, on your penalty kill and play more of that two-way role for you. So one guy that came to mind 
for a sort of like a, a not a, a player comp as such. Like I know well, you're, we're talking more stylistic comps, you're not so much. But for me, it is a guy like Andrew Shaw, but just with less less pest, I could say. And Shaw has the ability to play up in the lineup. He has the ability to play lower in the lineup. I think he'd be that type of impact impactful player because when you look at a guy like Andrew Shaw, he has put up points. Um, if he is playing that sort of pest foil type role. And I think that's the type of player sort of can be. But as you said, I, I don't see uh, a perennial 50, 60 point player by any means. But if you're looking for a guy that you need to sort of depend on to play sort of dirty minutes or to be versatile, I, I think that's the type of player that, that sort of is projected to be. He's definitely the kind of player that NHL coaches tend to love yeah. when they get him. Because he really can play all, all situations. He's the kind of guy that you can put out there in a pinch, really in any, like I said, in any situation. If you're holding a lead, you need someone to go out there and kill a penalty, maybe take a big face off, he can go out and play that role. And then also, like we said, if you want to strap him to one of your skill guys, he can you know, skate up and down, play north and south with those guys as well very nicely. So uh, he is projectable in that where, you know, he's the kind of player that coaches love to have when he's on their roster because he does a lot of little things that you need to win. So... Uh, I think that is something that a lot of people are going to like in this kid. He's malleable. Exactly. <laughs> very, very malleable. So moving right along, we're going to go to uh, another forward, which would be Pavel Novak, who is a Czech import this year, plays for the Kelowna Rockets. Really good goal scorer. I think you got to see this kid step up a lot when Nolan Foot went out uh, to an injury this year, uh, which really left a offensive void on that Kelowna team. And uh, I think you really got to see Pavel Novak step into that offensive role and carry some of that burden while Foot was out uh, in the second half of this season. I think the main thing that stands out to Novak's offensive game is uh, his shot. He does a really good job of getting his shot on goal with his feet moving and in stride. And also, in addition to that, I think he is a very smart player. He's able to get himself two areas to uh, put pucks in the net. And uh, he also played a role this year shorthanded for Kelowna. He was able to kill some penalties. So he does have some two-way acumen, but I wouldn't say that's the strongest part of his game. I think you're going to draft him to be a goal scorer, someone that you can lay a, as a compliment to a pure playmaker. But there is some versatility there that I do like as a two-way player along with some goal scoring ability. And we're talking about a kid where his first year in North America, he's able to put up 58 points, 55 games for the Rockets. Uh, so I think there is a lot of uh, exciting projectability there where uh, as this kid gets more comfortable over here, maybe you see that uptick in points come even more as uh, hopefully Kelowna gets maybe a little stronger next year in their lineup as well. When you're talking importance to his team, Novak was right up there um, in the WHL. If we're talking IPP, um, you know, points percentage for his team, he was at 82.6 involvement, which is high, high, high. Um, we're talking anything north of 70s nudging sort of great um, but to be sitting at 82 is huge I mean he was involved in pretty much everything as he said power play penalty kill um, he's a really good shot as you said but I like his distribution of his points I mean you look at what he did even strength this season he managed to get 16 goals and 17 assists even strength he's a guy I'm actually surprised you don't have ranked higher I mean I have him at 54th but he he can be a a really, I think he's got a really good high end um, goal scorer's potential. I think that he's 
a good passer, but I've, one thing that I don't like as much is that he he, uh, he can be somewhat a, a peripheral player. Um, he does win his own pucks, um, but I want to see more dynamic play around the slot and in high danger areas. I think that he's got a really good release and I can only think of the amount of goals he could have scored if he was willing to get a bit more dirty and, and to work some of those hard areas because we're talking about a guy that in his first year coming over did manage to score 16 even strength goals and I think that if he can battle a bit harder, um, get some more dirty areas and, and use that shot, I think we can have a, a really good goal scorer in hand. I, I think that... um. I think that he's got a lot of potential. I think that he, he belongs in the second round. Yeah, I think in, in a lot of other years, I think he's someone I would have uh, in my second round. Yeah. I found there's there's a lot to like this year. Uh, and I think he's one of those players where when you're making your list, you look down, you wonder how he got down that low. Yeah. But uh, he, is, he is just outside my third round, right in the middle of it, just about. Um, and like you said, I think there is a lot to like there. I uh, really did do everything for Kalana this year. He was very reliant upon player. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of exciting projectability there for him where like, this is the base for him where he's already, uh, a over point per game player at the WHO level in his first season in North America. And while also being somewhat of a periphery player, like, like you said, imagine if he can maybe get his nose a little more dirty next year, how much he can see those goal totals really tick up. He's not just always relying on his shot and more of, uh, his mobility game. So I think there is a lot of exciting projectability there and, like I said, I think in a lot of years, he's someone you see more consistently in a second round. So I don't have any problem with someone seeing this kid as a second round talent this year because I think uh, be fair to absolutely fair to have him there in most years. Yeah, personally, personally I think he's going to have a, a big D-plus one because he's, he's had like – you see, you know, a lot of imports come over and they'll have somewhat a sighty year, you know, where it's sort of um, – it takes a while for them to get adjusted. Maybe it'll take them half a season. But from – pretty much day dot, he's been on. Um, and as you said, if, if he can get work on his arsenal and find some more ways to to score, uh, I think he could be a, a really talented player. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that'll move, move us along nicely to another first year eligible player who uh, is also just above point per game and I think also has a little bit to work on that can maybe even bring that total up a little bit and that would be uh, Kyle Krenkovic from the Saskatoon Blades who's a very small player, 5'7", 161. I've seen some outlets even list him at 5'6". So we're talking about a very, uh, very petite player. Um, but, uh, what's uh, what's your thoughts on him, Ash? He's just a little, little boy. But, <laughs> but sort of, he, he may be small, but he's dynamic. And he's super quick on the puck. And even though he's smaller, you sort of you can't really... If you, can, you can't hit what you can't catch, it doesn't really matter. Um, Krinkovic to me is super creative. I love the way, I love his skating. I think that's his best trade. I love the way he can pull up, curl, um, and deke. I think that he's got lots of ways that he can actually beat you without being physical. Um, skating is not an issue with him whatsoever. I love the way he surveys middle of the ice. I think that in transition, that he's one of the more dangerous passes, especially passing up ice. The way that he's been able to be so consistent um, all season is, is a credit because, you know, that team sort of had some struggles and they didn't really have, you know, a first-line production 
um, from Robbins for, for a couple of months, but Kyle Krinkovic just kept churning it on. I think that his defensive awareness is above average. I think his skating makes up for um, some positional uh, issues you may have in coverage. But as we said, he, he is fast. He gets up and down the ice well. I think he's just going to have to learn, much like a, a Connor McLennan, to deal with the physicality, um, to engage in scrums, to not be so timid, and take some risks getting, get, you know, getting to the front of the net, doing those things that uh, some smaller guys need to do to take the next step to be NHL players. I think that in open space, he's great. I think that he's a good enough skater to avoid a lot of contact. But we're, we're, talk, we're talking the WHL, the WHL here. We're not talking the NHL or anything else. So for him to be translatable in his skill set, to be the, the sort of the offensive catalyst that he is, um, he's going to have to get bigger and he's going to have to um, definitely learn how to engage in contact and, and yeah, improve there. Like I said earlier with, uh, with McLennan, it's almost kind of expected with a lot of these smaller kids that uh, they got to be quick. They got to be able to move really well. And I think uh, you absolutely see that with Krinkovic. He's a very mobile player, very shifty, very agile. Um, and I think you hit it pretty on the head where I think my main criticism with him is he can be somewhat of a perimeter player at times. And I think that's kind of the obstacle he's going to have to overcome. You know, He is smaller. It's going to be harder for him to get to dirty areas. But uh, I think it's when there's not as much space to play at, at the pro game, at the AHL, at the NHL, is his speeding going to be able to carry him enough to mitigate his size issues? And I guess at this point, I'm just not sure if he was more willing to drive to dirty areas, more willing to put himself in, you know, in more harm's way, I'd be more willing to place him up a little bit higher. But I think there is, uh, I think there's enough there in his mobility there. I'd be willing to take a shot at him with uh, maybe a mid to late round pick. But I think there's just more that needs to be done there in terms of just getting more of a, yeah, some of that more blue collar mentality like some of those other kids in this class have from the WHL where uh, he's just more willing to put himself into harm's way, I guess. Yeah, and, and that's right. And, and production-wise, we're talking about a very productive player here. So if he can get the, the, the aspects of the physicality down and uh, defensive positioning, I think he's, besides the physical side, is the next thing he needs to work on. We're, we're talking about a really productive player here who's really creative and skilled. Um, who's got a weapon of a shot, really good passer. So for me, he's one of these guys you look at and you, you really love what he brings on ice, but it's just you sort of think it's just a shame that they're just that little bit small because watching him, he's really fun to watch. I mean, he's got sort of this unpredictability to his offense where he can, you know, he, he loves streaming up and down the wings and all south, but he has got that ability, you know, to cut inside, to deke around guys, um, and I really like the way he's able to direct play inside. You know, he's really good at, you know, pushing defences back and creating, you know, space behind for a second wave uh, of attack. And it's just, to me, it's sort of, it's a shame that he's a bit small because, you know, if if he was a bit bigger or even for his size, he was able to get to the dirty areas and to engage physically. We're possibly talking about a guy that's just on talent, and production is a second, third round type guy, but it's just unfortunately for a guy who's smaller. Um, and for me personally, size isn't really a factor if you know how to play to your size or play above it. It cancels that out. 
Um, but for Krinkovic, it's just more he can't quite play above his size and he can't quite handle that physicality yet, so it bumps him down. But his production um, and the way he plays, I, I think I think it's fantastic. Yeah, we, we mentioned earlier how well Robbins was able to step up into offensive role uh, you know, with Saskatoon's top gun and Doc graduating in the NHL. And uh, I think that applies very nicely to Konkrovic as well, where he's able to pick up that offensive load. And uh, I think that's most of the story there where um, it's just going to be if he can learn to play above his size um, and just add that extra element along with uh, the mobility and uh, some of that dynamic quality he has in his skating, if he can add more of that uh, willingness to be more pesky, more hard-nosed, I think that's going to be the obstacle for him to become a pro-level player. So moving on, I think we're moving to a player where I think a lot of people see this kid as, you know, after Schneider and Gooley, one of the higher-end defensemen from the WHL, and he's in a similar vein of having somewhat of a higher floor, and that's Damon Hunt. Uh, he was a left-shot defenseman from the Moose Jaw Warriors. I think where I see this kid is he's a good two-way player. I like the awareness on both sides of the puck. Mobility, I think, is uh, pretty good. He's not a dynamic skater by any means, at least not from what I've seen. Um, but he's able to control his gaps well. He's able to transition the puck fairly nicely. Has a good first pass. And he did miss some time this year. Missed about half the season to injury. So there's maybe a little more of a limited sample size there for Hunt. Um, but I think what we saw is just a player with a good all-around base where maybe a team uh, is willing to be patient with him, maybe develop along uh, some more standout traits for him. I think uh, he's someone that you can see projecting into an angel defenseman someday with some relative ease compared to maybe some of these kids you'd pick it towards the end of the third, maybe start of the fourth round. Yeah, and as, and as you said it, that he's sim- similar in the same vein to, say, a Schneider or Gooley where you know, nothing really sneaks out or sticks out, sorry, is in terms of uh, defining traits. But I think when you're talking Hunt, I think you get a guy that has, if you're talking out of Schneider and Dooley, who has the more, I think he's got more of an offensive mindset to those guys. I think that he's got uh, more of a willingness to jump up into the play. And I love the fact that when he is in the offensive zone, he almost looks at home controlling the point. Like he walks the line and he's got a really big shot. He's got a big clapper. And so when he does show that poise and patience on the puck, especially when he's on the blue line, he's you actually see that there is a an offensive flair to his game. Um, the one thing that sort of detracts me from Hunter bit is the ability to rush up ice with the puck and the puck skills when he's actually got it. When he's in his own zone, he's got a really good first pass. I like his poise and his ability to actually, you know, sort of slow things down and make correct decisions in his own end. But most of that's with a first pass. Um, and he does jump in, as I said, he does jump into the play and does trail the play well. It's just more so the transition um, game for me and his working in the neutral zone that is sort of not there yet. And he said he did miss a, a lot of, uh, time this season, uh, which didn't really help him, you know, sort of correct anything or, or develop in that sense. I like his positioning defensively, but sometimes um, I've watched quite a bit of the dub. He can get sort of caught over committing and trying to jump gaps a bit. I think that sort of stems from somewhat a, a lack of creativity, but I found he was actually agile enough to cover a lot of those mistakes that he made. I think that he has a really 
sound base. I think that he's got all the tools to be a, a middle pairing defenseman. I think that he's much like in the in the vein of Schneider and Gooley, where you can get uh, power play production from him. I think overall that he needs to work on his skating a bit. I think he's there's a bit of speed there lacking, but saying that he's got really good edges, uh, edge work, and he's got good separation speed. He He's, it's his stride itself and, and his posture that I don't really like. I think that it, he's a burst player for the, for the most part, especially when he's trying to contribute offensively, that he's not a guy that you can sort of stick out there for a longer shifts. I think that he's just just down to his skating. I think that he chops, he digs in, and it sort of takes away from his overall ability to impact the game coming out of his own end. Yeah, I, th- I think there's... Um I think like you said, he's he's fairly projectable as maybe a middle to bottom pair defenseman. And uh like we said, there's nothing there that's super standout. But I think I think the word that I like, that always comes to mind for me with Hun is he's uh I think he's fairly efficient, I guess, yeah. fairly economical. He does things fairly basically, which I don't think is honestly that much of an issue. That's something that you uh sometimes want out of a defenseman, especially if you're gonna play plug him into uh somewhere like the bottom pair of your defense lineup just having someone that's going to play the game the right way is going to be able to transition pucks and uh, you don't need a dynamic player for that part of your lineup and i think that's where you see hunt projecting as an nhler or if he's able to get transitioned to the program i think that's where you see him slide into a lineup is more of a depth role rather than uh, a standout guy and i think the game he plays suits him very nicely to that where he's efficient uh but he's not going to have any super standout traits but it's going to fill a role and if you're willing to spend a pick on maybe the late third, early fourth for a player, I think that's uh, a reasonable spot for Hunt. Yeah, and and he's a guy that, and he's a guy that I feel that if he'd actually got a full season in, um, he would most likely be ranked higher, purely based on I think that he was showing good progression. Um, even last season, I, I, you know, he had 20 points in 57 games. Um, I thought it was a really good, you know, uh, base to build on this season and just having it cut short, I think that it's, you know, it just hasn't been that time to sort of amend any deficiencies in his game. But I think that, um, I think he's going to be a good player. I just think that there's uh, not a a massive ton of upside. I think, as I said, he can be a second, second pairing defenseman, but just what else he can offer besides, you know, being sort of just a little bit good of everything, I'm not too sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that moves so along nicely to another player that maybe is in a very similar range, I think, on a lot of boards. More uh, more of a late third, early fourth kind of player, I think, for most people. Uh, and that'd be Cross Hannes, who's a American left winger for the Portland Winterhawks. Had a really strong Halinka prior to his WHL this season this year, where uh, I think he's a good goal scorer. But I think more more of my reservations with him is just, uh, I guess, more hockey sense being able to carry a line. And um, I wonder where you sit with him. Well, Hannes is actually a guy I actually think maybe a bit undervalued. I mean, it's not not that he's been somewhat Jarvis's shadow, but I think it's pretty impressive what he's been able to sort of do away from Jarvis. I mean, we're talking about a guy that besides scoring that sick lacrosse goal, um, not many people have probably seen much 
of, I don't think. I think the focus is very much around Jarvis and Portland. But I think Hannes has got a really translatable skill set. I don't think that his ceiling is overly high. I think he can be a, you know, a, a bottom six winger on a good team. But I like his energy. Or I think his skill, I think he's well built. He's got good effort. He's, he take, never takes a shift off. Um, he's constantly hounding the puck. He's around it. He can play either wing. He, I, I think his shot's really underrated, for one. Got good puck protection. And, and for a guy that doesn't really have elite high-end skills, um, having that puck protection and shot sort of can alleviate that. Not alleviate, can um, cancel that out a little bit. I like his edge work. I think that he's got a, a good first step. Um, he's not overly technically sound. He can be a bit awkward, but it's sort of like a 52K dial-up internet. It works. I like the fact that he's scored pretty well considering his deployment this season. I think that there's a really good base there for him to be a bargain in the later rounds, if talking third or fourth round. I like his passing vision. I think that's his best trait. I think that he is able to work defenders over um, just really smart. So I think that he's able to, to sort of create a lot of time around him, create a lot of space. Um, he does have soft hands. Um, it's just more so the high-end puck skills that aren't there for me. When we're talking shot and sort of a rawness to his game, I, th- I think there's a lot to, lot to like. The ability to cut off the wing uh, and sort of to take middle ice is another skill I really like about Hannah. So I think there's a lot to like with him. Um, as you said, can he carry a line by himself? I don't think so. But if you're talking um, a guy that I think can be a really good sort of bottom six scorer, energy guy with decent skill, not high-end skill, but decent skill um, and with some size, I think that that is pretty sums up Hannes in a you know, pretty good line. Yeah, I, th- I think you nailed it with kind of labeling Hannes as more of a goal scorer mm-hmm. than anything else. I think his shot is very good. I think that's one of the aspects of his game that I like the most. Um, he can get some really good power behind it. He can pick corners. Um, he does He does a pretty good job with that curl and drag kind of yeah. shot that seems like Austin Matthews has kind of patented. I think Hannes is actually able to pull it off pretty well. He's a creative player. He's willing to try stuff. Uh, scored two lacrosse goals this year in the WHL. And uh, like I said at the top, I think just most of my reservation is uh, I think he's the kind of player where he does a fairly decent job at creating offense for himself, but I'm not sure if he does enough to create offense for his team. It reminds me a little bit uh, for Devils fans when they watch David Clarkson, where they're not, they're not similar, similar players in many respects, but just Clarkson scores 30 goals by creating offense for only himself, but all his line mates, they're all like middle of the road, like 30 point players. And I think that's kind of where you see Hannes in that light is where maybe he's able to score goals for himself, but he's not going to be able to contribute much to his line in terms of, generating offense and uh, making the players around him better. And I think that's why I'm more hesitant with Hannes. It's just he can score goals, but he does it on his own terms. I'm not sure he does it great in a team concept. And I think that's why I have him currently outside my my fourth round at the moment. He's at around 130 for me at the moment. Um, if I just saw some more, I guess, ability to help create for his line mates, I think in addition to that shot and some creativity and puck skills, I think uh, there would just be more more to like there. But I think there is a good base, like we said, with that goal scoring ability and creativity. So um, I think he's worth a gamble. Absolutely. He reminds me a bit of Graham Clark from last year, who was a Devils draft pick. Uh, really good goal scorer, good shot, 
good puck skills, but it's just um, if they're able to transition him into a player that's going to be able to fill more roles and uh, play more than just the goal scorer on the line, I think is the obstacle that's going to need to be overcome for Hannes. Now we're going to move along to someone I I know for some people they think is fairly undervalued uh, by some in this class, and that would be uh, Lucas Faiskovsky, who's a center slash right wing who uh, ended the season with the Medicine Hat Tigers after coming over in a trade from the Vancouver Giants. And the point totals don't necessarily jump out at you. Uh, 38 and 52 between the Tigers and the Giants. Um, a little undersized, not necessarily small in the traditional sense. He's 5'10", 165. Uh, but I think the thing that there is to like a lot with this kid is just how mobile this kid is. Uh, his edge work is fantastic. Uh, the way he can cut around players and open space with just his skating ability. He's really hard to catch, which I think helps him minimize some of that size disadvantage that he has with that slight you know, 5'10", 165 frame. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of that projectability into a pro-level player comes from, which Fajkovsky is. Um, if maybe you're able to build in a little more a little more hockey sense, a little more willingness to go to dirty areas, like kind of like we mentioned with Kovic, I think that's kind of the obstacle there is for Svetkovsky. Um, and uh, I think if you're willing to bet on mobility, that's where um, the draft pick comes in for Svetkovsky. Yeah, when, when, I, when I think of Svetkovsky, it's three words that come to mind is fun, offense, and speed. He's one of the more offensive-minded players, um, especially in the dub, watching him both in Vancouver and in Medicine Hat. He's a, he's a guy that you can can really sort of get away from you in a game. He can really impact the scoreboard, whether it be 5-on-5 five five or power play. He's really s- smart, even though he does play at a really high pace. He has that level of sense where he still doesn't go too hard, where he can slow himself down and actually work into to solid areas without sort of um, you know overcommitting or playing at a, a too high tempo because sometimes you can play at a, a too high tempo and actually sort of get away from your, your line mates and um, can run into trouble. But with Svechkoski, it's it's a really nice blend of a high-tempo um, type player, but also with good senses when to turn it on, when to turn it off. Um, and when you when especially towards uh, the end of the season when Medicine Hat started rolling, when you saw um, him work around guys like with Hamblin, uh, Cole Sillinger, um, just to name a couple, he really seemed to be able to find a groove with those guys. Um, and I think especially playing with like Hamblin, who's been around for a, a little while now, he's got a somewhat a cool head. I think it's been really good for him. I think that he's shown uh, a willingness to, um, cause I think when he was in Vancouver in a sense, he almost had a air of almost selfishness to his game. Um, sort of like a Hannes, not, not selfish, but, um, sort of, you know, if you got the puck in transition, it was pretty much just skate, 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 shoot, shoot, shoot. But now he, he has shown a willingness to sort of uh, pass off his shot a bit more, um, be a bit more uh, team first sort of in his mentality. So, as you said, I think he's some, probably a bit somewhat underrated. I just think that there is still a lot to work on, especially um, over 200 feet and off the puck. But if you're talking to other, I think it's got good... Uh, goal scorers upside in, in the later rounds. I think Svechkovsky is one of the better ones. Yeah, and also I think I think consistency is also part of the name of the game for for him. Yeah. 
he's one of those players where if you got to see him when he was on, like he was really on. Uh, he has that mobility and that uh, that skating ability where he can really pull you out of your seat with some of the plays he can make at that high speed. Yeah. Um, and I think it's bringing that level consistently every night is uh, the step that you're going to need to see him take to become a pro level player along with, you know, just I guess some more hockey sense aspects of the games that's going to need to get a little bit better with. And now I think we're going to move along to our last player from the WHL that we're going to cover today. Uh, we're going to end it with a goaltender, which is uh, Dylan Garand, who plays for the Campbell's Blazers. Stands at around 6-1, which uh, I think some consider a little below average for an NHL goaltender. Uh, that size doesn't particularly bother me, but he had a great season this year for the Blazers. Uh, I put up a 921 tape percentage and a 221 goals against, which uh, I think is uh, very encouraging for a first-year eligible goaltender playing in the CHL. I think he has some decent mobility. He used to play fairly well. You and I have him pretty much dead even in our rankings. There's only two spots behind him. And I think the reason why he, maybe he falls behind some of the other goalies in this class, like uh, perhaps like, like a Joel Bloomquist from over in Finland, is um, I think Garant can be a little bit panicky in his, in his crease. Um, I've seen sometimes where he's uh, a little too quick to drop to his knees to scramble. And uh, when he does get scored on, I think part of it comes to when he puts himself out of position by panicking too much. Um, but I think that's more of a technical thing that can be ironed out if you give him the right goaltending coach, because I think there is um, some really good bones to work there with uh, with his athleticism and his ability to read the play and often know where the play is going. Yeah, and, and one of the one of the bonuses with uh, Garan too is he's a June birthday as well, so he's got a a little bit of age on his side too, which is good. Great. I mean, they said he's six one, but he sort of slide at one seventy, which I don't. As I said, I don't think it's really an issue. I, I think the the overall myth of goalies having to be bigger is sort of uh, much like how you know forwards have to be six two is sort of dwindling a bit. I think, um, as you said, he does overcommit sometimes. He is really athletic, which is one good thing because sometimes if you have a goalie who can overcommit, it can be due to the fact that they're probably not athletic enough. So they're trying to compensate for a lack of athleticism and movement where with Garand, it's not that at all. It's more so probably just a confidence thing more so than anything um, because he, he is very confident in cutting down angles. He can just overcommit. Um, I really love his glove hand and he's got a bit of swagger about him. Grant. I mean, he's a young kid, but he isn't a guy that's, you know, will take a back seat and he's having a good game. He does tend to flash the leather. He does tend to sort of say a few things on the ice. Um, one thing, too, when you're talking about um, overcommitting, he does struggle with rebound control at times. And I think that can also be a factor in, um, you know, trying to shut down angles and, and close the play down quicker because, you know, spilling pucks, especially into the slot, isn't great. So I think that is also another reason why perhaps there is a um, not so much a panic, but a, an overcommitment there at times, just trying to close plays down quicker than he probably has to. But as I said, he's not 18 until June. Um, posted a, a, a 9:21 save since this season. Um, I, I think he's really good, and and we saw uh, him play with Canada Red in the under 17s as well. Had the four games and posted 930 as well against some of his peers there. So I think it's a really good base for Grand. I think that, as you said, if he can get a good coach to sort of 
change his mindset and correct his thought process a bit. He's got all the, the athletic traits there. I think he's got one of the better glove hands um, out of the goalies that in this class. I think I think Garin is a beauty. Yeah, and often with goaltenders, I think especially when drafting out of the CHL, it it drives me nuts when I see teams just draft a kid that's six five and yeah. is coming off in like an eight seventy season, and just banking on just hoping that it, that NHL size can carry him through. I like drafting a kid from the CHL who's already shown that he can do it, yeah. who's already shown that he can have a quality above average, borderline high end season at his age level. And Garan's already shown that he can do that um, before he's even turned 17. Um, so he has, he already has that tracker record of, you know, he can do it. He can, he's already, he already can be a top goaltender at his age level. And like you said, he has that swagger, which I think I also like to see in a goaltender. So much of a goaltender's game is between the years. It's a very mental position. Yeah. Uh, and I like having, you know, a goaltender that has that confidence. And I think Garan has that in terms of goaltenders in this draft. He's, fairly high up the board. And like we said, I think there's uh, just some technical aspects that need to be worked on. Like um, uh, like you said, the rebound control, uh, maybe being a little too panicky in his crease sometimes. Um, but I think if you iron that out, maybe uh, he's someone you can maybe project into a starting goaltender at some point. You've got to remember too, this is like his second season in the doubles. Like he put up a, a 902 as a 16-year-old. So we're not talking a guy that sort of just come in and sort of had a really good season on the on the back end of a good defence. He's this is his second season now where he's actually putting a really good effort. And he, it, especially when you look at he's been even going back to Bantam Prep, he's he's always been prolific. No matter what league he's been in, what age group, he's always had stellar numbers. And I don't see. I don't. I just don't see it stopping. I think that he's going to be one of the, the better goaltenders in the South Two next season, if not probably the best. Because I think that um, what we've already seen from him age-wise at seventeen, I think he's going to have a really good age eighteen, nineteen season. Really good. Yeah, and also I think it's a trend with some other WHL goalies you've seen in recent years. You know, um, you've seen Carter Hart come into the, in the NHL as. Uh, as a young goaltender, and he's not overly big either. I think he's only six two at the most, unless I'm misremembering wrong. Um, and then, you know, last season you saw Dustin Wolf, who dropped all the way down to the seventh round just because he was right around six foot, even though he was coming off a stellar season forever. And this year you followed it up with a fantastic season again and uh, played a role for USA's World Junior Team. And I think Grand kind of fits that similar mold where you don't need that. Um, that high end size, if you're able to just stop pucks and replay, is really well. And I think um, Grant fits that mold fairly nicely for you know, some of the other goals you've seen come out of the come out of the WHL recently. And yeah, just check. Yeah, Hart is this uh, six two, so not there's not much in it. And when we're talking um, numbers in the draft, it's not that dissimilar at all either. So, not saying that's a direct comp as to what Grant's going to be, but. Pretty, pretty close. And actually, going back, actually, uh, Durand actually had better numbers um, in, in Midget and Bantam. So, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, so interesting. Who, who knows? I mean, maybe maybe Garand's the next Carter Hart. We're talking about this kid coming in as a 21, 22 year old. Let's um, crown him. Let's do, it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Dylan Garand, next Carter Hart confirmed. Lock it in. <laughs> now, okay, now obviously that's our top, um, that's our consensus top 15. Uh, the WHL, 
give me two players that you feel a bit, yeah, I shouldn't have left off, but I did anyway. Uh, I would say the next two on my list from the WHO would probably be, uh, uh, I really like Simon uh, Kubicic, who's a defenseman for the Seattle Thunderbirds. Uh, right shot, 6'2", stocky kid at around 205. Played a fairly large role for the the Czech national teams this past year. Um, and I, th- I think at those tournaments, you saw he can be a really strong minute-munching defenseman. I just like the all-around two-way toolkit that he has. Um, it's not too... Uh, really not too dissimilar to what we talked about with Damon Hunt and uh, Hunt and Kubechik are right next to each other in my rankings. So I think they both fit a fairly similar mold. Yeah. Um, I think I like Kubechik's uh, shot just a little bit more. I think he has a very heavy shot. So I, I do like that as well, where he can bring some heat from the blue line. Then I guess the other WHL player I'd want to shout out would be uh, Jack Finley, who's a six five center from Spokane. He's got that size, and uh, I think he's got some really good smarts as well where he knows uh, how to get to scoring areas of the ice. He isn't afraid to drive that center lane of the ice. Uh, and I think he reads plays fairly well, which um, even though he doesn't have more of a dynamic quality, uh, he's able to contribute with his smarts, he's able to replay as well, and uh, he's obviously got that size advantage already being um, a 6'5", 207 center at you know, the young age of 17, 18. Yeah, for me, I suppose, one guy would be Casper Puccio, the import draft first overall pick. Didn't really have a great season at Everett. I think he's got a high ceiling. I just don't, much like a Villay-Ottavon, and I just don't think he's put it all together this season. He's got a great shot. I think he's probably got the best one-timer with just about any uh, first-year eligible defenseman. It's, it's really, really good. Um, he's a good skater. He's not really quick, but he's got... Um, a really strong, clean, long stride, quick first step. Uh, he's able to move laterally pretty well. He's got good edge work. Um, good awareness in attack, skates in good areas. Um, always trying to find advantage positions to let go of his shot. The only detractors with Coutio, you know, he's, he's off to uh, the league next season, is he can panic when he's face and not make positive plays. That's one thing that isn't great because we're talking offensive upside and just an overall upside pick. Uh, I think Puccio is definitely one guy. And it's pretty actually funny to say because three of the guys I'm actually thinking of uh, talking about besides the two units are actually all from Everett. An equal shout-out to defensive Ronan Sealy and overager um, Gage from Calvez, who I think had a really solid season as well. I think Everett in general got some good depth picks uh, in the later round. Uh, so, for me, Puccio, Sealy, and John Calves, and, and no, I'm not an Everett homer. They're just three of the guys that are basically next on my list. So, shout out to those guys for not making the list close, but um, definitely sort of a tier between those guys and uh, the ones we mentioned in our top 15. Yeah, I think there is, there is a fair bit of depth um, in those later rounds where uh, maybe the rounds five through seven or so where um, – and then there's some good depth pieces there from the WHO where there's some upside there. Maybe not enough to to crack our our list from her there, but um, there there are quite a few players for there that I that I like as uh as later round bets. Especially on defense, I think the defensive depth in the dub this year is really good. I mean, you're talking Coutinho, Sealy, Cotton, who we didn't even mention, um, Pavlivko, Setoff, who we got uh, Prokop, um, this Hades, Riker Evans, Rep Reinhardt. 
there's there's a there's a lot of depth there. There's a lot of potential right around gems. I quite like uh, Landon Kozier as well. More of a yeah. Like I said, economical, like I mentioned earlier with uh, uh, with some other players. He's a very efficient player and um, someone that I could see going undrafted, but um, just another one of those defensive from the dub where uh, there is some, there is quite a bit to like there. Um, yeah. So uh, some good depth there. Maybe not enough to crack a, a top 15, 20 list, but definitely depth in later rounds for sure from the dub this year. So I think that'll just about do it for us for this episode of Painting Prospects. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you did, we'd really appreciate it if you uh, leave us a positive review, get, drop us a follow or a subscribe, uh, whatever the system is on your podcatcher. You can find our stuff over on, on Twitter uh, at Ash Glover Hockey and at Brandon Holmes underscore hockey. Uh, and you can find our podcast handle at Painting Podcast. I've been Brandon and we've been painting prospects floor to ceiling and we hope to see you next time. Bye bye. Thank you guys.